Hello, and welcome to the Vlogging Pod. Tonight, we are joined by Samantha Shea. <laughs> welcome to the room, Samantha. How are you this evening? I'm doing well. How are you, Ari? I'm not doing too bad. We've had quite a little bit of break since Christmas, but we are kicking it back in gear. <laughs> I got it. I'm still looking forward to being on your podcast tonight. Oh, well, nice. I'm glad. I really am. Um, we're kind of getting slow getting back into the year, but we've had we've had a lot of work that we've been doing, um, Laura and I, and we still have so much more to go, but we're getting there and we're so excited to get start off this year exactly with you. <laughs> oh, you are in great hands with Laura. She's amazing. <laughs> oh, I know she is. I wouldn't give her up for the world. <laughs> so I want to start right off by talking about your latest release. You want to tell me a little bit about it? Yeah. So in September, I released a young adult high fantasy novel titled uh, The Fall of Ahlan. And it centers around um, an elf princess named Zora Ristel. And she is actually fleeing her kingdom due to war. Okay. <clears throat> now... Can you give us the title? I have it written down here, but I'm going to be honest with you. My pronunciation, I really sucks. <laughs> it, um, the title is The Fall of Ahalon. Ahalon. See, I would have messed that up. <laughs> I know I would have. <laughs> totally um, okay. Now, now, the, now, let me see if I can do it. Ahalon? Ahalon. So it's like a, like apple, hill, and on. Okay. Ahalon. Elon, there you go. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. See, I would have had to like text you and be like, girl, you got to give me a voice sound of this because I know I'm going to screw it up. Um, so now this is based off a series. Am I correct? Yes. So it actually ties into a series um, I wrote under an old pen name that I retired and I'm actually moving it over to my new pen name, which is Samantha Shea. Um, mm -hmm. And it's titled The Cursed Kingdom. So in the Cursed Kingdom series, there was a world called Dramolux, and it was broken apart from the rest of the world, and magic was completely outlawed and locked away. So mm -hmm. now the where Ahalon is in the, in the continent of Kiora, it is the half of Dramolux that was broken away. Okay. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> your wordage for your, for your title... And their kingdoms, are these all based on things that you known and did research on? Or are these things that you have totally invented yourself? I've totally invented it myself. In fact, I wrote an entire uh, Elvish language for the fall of Ahalon called Ahalonian. So it's wow. pretty, everything is pretty much my whole imagination. <laughs> Oh, wow. See, now exactly why I would have screwed up the mispronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I, I did a little bit. I had a, um, a sci-fi book and I did a little bit of that too. So I, I fully understand that. But you made your own language? Yes. Yes, nice. I did. Um, Tell me a little I, bit about that. Yeah. So um, I speak a little bit of Hindi. Um, and I, and a little bit of Turkish. And what I did is I love those languages so much. And the culture, the lore is all rooted in, um, like Indian culture. And so I took my favorite languages and I kind of like broke apart, like the best pieces of them that I really liked and the, the letters, the pronunciations, and I melded it into a whole new language. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. 
And how long did that take you to create? It took me about six months to create. So I was doing it while I was writing the book. God, I am such an underachiever. <laughs> no, Six not months. at all. I am just a nerd. Um, I, I honestly have like an ELA degree and everything. I, I, I went all out on this. Um, so I'm just a nerd that likes to do nerdy things inspired by Tolkien. And I was like, if he can do it, I can do it. <laughs> right. Well, I don't blame you. I mean, I do know the Tolkien. I have watched the movies and I've read a little bit of the books. My husband is more into that than myself, but um, I'll be honest with you. I've always been kind of creeped out with my precious, my precious. Oh my God, yeah, no, he is really <laughs> freaky, honestly. He, he is, I, I will give you that. <laughs> oh gosh, yes. I remember I watched it. They had a cartoon and I watched it as a child and I was totally freaked out, so yeah. <laughs> um, and I've just never gotten over it. I can't help it. And then, you know, when they did it in the movie, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is not helping my uh, my little freak out here. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so I heard that there um, is an intricate magic system to your books. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. So in the world of Kiora, there are seven kingdoms and each kingdom houses a different species. So we have the elves in Ahlan, we have Fae in Ioscana, there's, um, there's also orcs, there's Pashu, which are animal sentient beings. Um, and there's just a lot of different like mainstream classic characters that every fantasy uh, reader loves. And what I did is I made each of them have um, their own types of magic. So like the elves are very elemental. However, they can only wield one type of elemental magic. Um, and it chooses them at their 18th birthday. So through childhood, they're able to wield one. And then this kind of like war happens inside of their body where one reigns over the rest. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Um, the, <laughs> The orcs are, you know, your typical orcs. They're these big green, you know, these big green creatures. Um, there is, and a reviewer pointed out that she thought this was a mistake in the book where one of the orcs' wives is pregnant and the orc herself ends up being a female. So she was like, how is this possible? Like, and I'm like, listen, there's magic potions and spells in this world that can, that give hands to LGBTQ characters to allow them to have children. Like we, we did it. I, I thought about it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're just making me look like such an underachiever here. <laughs> I, I can't take all the credit. My husband is a huge, huge fantasy buffs. Like you think of the video game, he's got it, he's played it, or he's watched it on YouTube a thousand times over. So he was mm -hmm. really helpful where it came to creating like authentic characters, but that were different than the orcs and the dwarfs that we like normally see. Right. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Now, since you mentioned your husband, I am going to skip uh, a little bit here in my questions <laughs> <laughs> because you brought him up. Um, I heard your husband is a cover designer. Now, I can only break this down because, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my husband, but I just, I don't know how closely we could work together in such a way. Mm -hmm. um, so tell me how that worked for you. I mean, was it problematic? Was it um, enticing and exciting to work in such a way? Tell me how that worked out. Actually, it's kind of funny because he was my friend and cover designer first. <laughs> 
Ah. Uh, we actually met in college and um, he was a graphic design art student. Um, and I approached him as a friend and said, hey, look, I actually want to publish books and I'm very leery about who I trust with things because indie publishing was very new at the time because um, I published back in 2014. I did a, my first series, which I pulled for reasons. Uh, we won't get into that today, though. Um, and he agreed to do them. And it, since then, it's been very professional between the two of us. He is willing to try anything new. And he treats me like any other client. I have to fill out the forms that he has online. I have to go through like what symbols are important. What's the lore in the book? What colors am I looking for? And all, all of that. So we keep the professional and our relationship out of it. And there are times when he has to be like, you need to step away because you're going to make this more complicated than it is. And it's not going to look right. So just sit down. I will show you when I'm done. <laughs> ah, yeah. You guys are more disciplined. Cause I would be like, yo, <laughs> you do this my way, but there's yeah. going to be a problem at dinner time. I'm not telling you. <laughs> yeah. No, he, you know, what also helps is I also go out on the weekends to see my grandma. She's in a nursing home. So in those mm -hmm. three hours that I'm with her, he's like, I'm going to design this cause you're not in the house. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. My husband's yeah. in the room and he just said, not too close. You'd kill me. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta love him. <laughs> yeah, you, he's in the house. I'm out in the she shed in the uh, in the sound booth. So yeah, not too close. <laughs> <laughs> so now I want to touch base as far as the character. Mm -hmm. I now and I please forgive me if I get this pronunciation wrong. Uh, okay. Torin. Yes, Torin. Okay. Oh, so Torin, morally gray. Explain yeah. that to me. Torin has a lot of baggage to unpack because he believes in his survival over everybody else's. He doesn't care. So he, he is, he poses as a mercenary when he first meets Zora and there's going to be things that are revealed. I'm not going to spoil them in book two. You guys really got to see the way this turns out because I wasn't even expecting his turn. Um, but it's very much him against the world. Like he knows right from wrong, but he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to do what I have to do because I've got to survive. There's this one scene where Zora kind of meets him for the first time. And she's like, you're just going to rob from these people. And he goes, well, they did it to other people. So yeah, I'm just going to take what's mine. I'm hungry. I'm going to eat. And if they won't give it to me, I'll kill them. And she's like, are you kidding me? Like, you're just, you're going to kill them. And he goes, why not? He goes, they're not serving me any purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so he's... <laughs> He's a very complex creature. I love him though. That's cool. I mean, do you, yeah. do you find yourself basing your characters off of anyone or anything in personable? I mean, personable or not so personable, like, and I mean that in the sense, like, um, if you're in an airport, do you take notes? Do you eavesdrop on the conversations? Tell me about the oh, I'm always eavesdropping on people's conversations. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. I'm also short and I'm close to the ground. So a lot of people, they talk and they don't realize that I'm there. And mm -hmm. we'll be walking in the grocery store and I'll tell my husband, I'm like, did you hear what Stacy did? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, that couple over there, stacy has got some things going on right now. And mm -hmm. Um, so there are times when I do, uh, based off my characters, like on things that I've heard, people I know, myself even. Um, sometimes the characters that I create are parts of me. I wish uh, things I could do, things I could feel, and like I would I could channel that into my characters. And I'm like, I need to be more like that. <laughs> um, 
I can see that. I, I, I'll be honest with you. The, I'm not a big traveler, but anytime that we had traveled, I found that very interesting to listen in to different conversations, especially different dialects. I was, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's different than when you see it on the movie screen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Cause the movie screen is more, they pick the people that are more clear with the tongue. But when you get someone who's really in heat of their own language, that's when you really start to hear the spice of everything that's just kind of yeah. going around you. <clears throat> yeah, I so, definitely. We actually, um, I've done a bit of traveling in my teens and I definitely hear what you're saying. Like the Italian accent here in Brooklyn, New York is very different than the Italian accent you're going to hear in Italy. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I find that very interesting. I really love that. I think that's where a lot of you, if you're a blog, blog, I'm going to say I'm that right, blog like in YouTube, there you can kind of get a lot of uh, different dialects as well. I find it very interesting. And I love watching vlogs when those people travel because then it's yes. like, aha, <laughs> I didn't even need to get my passport. <laughs> that's right. No, that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> so let's dive up just a little bit more um, into your personal realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read your father loves fantasy. Yeah. Am I correct? Okay. Yes. So he did a lot of fantasy movies when you were growing up. Oh yeah. Dad is like fantasy anything. Um, he grew up in Guyana, which is in South America um, under mm-hmm. British rule at the time. He, he was born in the fifties. So a lot of work they did was like Shakespeare, uh, King Arthur, Treasure Island. So he grew up with those things, comic books, you name it, he read it. Um, he especially has a love of Thor. It's his favorite Norse god. Every time the Marvel movies are on, he's got to watch them. Mm. Um, so I spent my, my childhood, instead of watching cartoons, I grew up with things like Hercules and Xena and Beastmaster and Legend of the Seeker. Like that was my life. So... I I very much grew up in that realm. And I, as I was growing into it, I was like, dad, you know, wouldn't it be cool if I wrote something like this? And he was all for it, even at like a young age. Yeah. Now, did you watch cartoons like the Gargoyle? I didn't watch Gargoyles. My cartoons Ah! were more of like slapstick comedy, like the Looney Tunes, Tom and Jerry. I didn't really watch the, like the fantasy ones. It was fantasy was all live action in my house or like Disney with Aladdin and the princesses, things like that. Right. I used to love the gargoyle. I really did. I don't know why I just did. (laughs) I mean, was that even on when I was born? I thought I was born in 93. So, Oh Oh my God. (laughs) I I wonder if maybe that was like more of like in eighties. Cartoon. I don't remember that being on. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for anyone I just dated. No. no, you're fine. I was born in 1972, so that dates me right there. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You no, too, Laura. Fine. Laura's like, I feel old as hell right now. <laughs> sorry, girl. <laughs> Laura's like younger than me. I think she has um what six or seven years. So I call her my daughter. I know I probably would only been six or seven when she was Aww. born, but I call her my daughter. Um <clears throat> So how did, when you look back at your childhood and the fantasy movies, how much of that truly inspired what you do now? I mean, not just being a teacher, but actually in the writing world. Like all of it inspired me because I just wanted, there was something about traveling to worlds that were not 
our own, especially growing up in New York City. It's a lot of like big buildings and, you know, billboards and flashing lights. And I always imagine what it would be like in a country with just like plains and grass, like Scotland or Ireland. And I just, I wanted to write worlds that like would transport me there, you know? And then because uh -huh. I am part like Guyanese Indian, I grew up a lot of like Bollywood movies and you would see these guys in these rich like mansions. And it was just like, oh my God, what if that were in, in like a valley somewhere? Like, <laughs> so it, it really inspired everything that I, that I've written today. Hmm. I think that you're <clears throat> the type of person, um, that would enjoy, um, the i forget the name of what it's called and i saw it on youtube and i saw it just <clears throat> excuse me i just saw it this week but you know where tolkien did they did the filming for the for the um lord of the rings oh yes yes where you can actually like stay in like the places yes that, yes, yes. yes that's on my bucket the, the first setup they did the first filming they made the buildings temporary <clears throat> and then they went back to the same place and this time the community had asked them if they were gonna build to make them permanent. Right. And that's what stayed there. That would be phenomenal to actually go in and see. I did I watch would, I, My husband would probably die if I like took <laughs> <laughs> it is fun. It is phenomenal when you actually go through and see it. Oh, I bet. I mean, like, even when I was looking at the Scotland tours, they do like a whole Outlander tour too now where like, you can see where it's mm. been filmed. And I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> Yes, because there can only be one. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm getting my nerd going on here. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'm a total nerd. I'm, I'm going to admit it. <laughs> uh, so tell me how important. Now pay attention to this one because this mm -hmm. I'm hoping this plays into what? I hope I didn't overreach here. <laughs> tell me how important end goals are to your characters. End goals are very important because they are goal oriented. And um, Zora especially is the type of person, if she's got something in her head, she's got to get it done by hook or by crook. So uh, it's gonna be a very interesting, no spoilers again, but some goals are going to be thwarted and my characters are not gonna take that very lightly. <laughs> Mm. because they like she just wants everything to be a straight line and that's just not the way life is and she's learning that and there's been a lot of development so far in book two where she's kind of got it down she kind of realizes like hey there's this is not going to be perfect but she's got to have that end goal or else she just feels like there's no meaning behind anything she's doing so they they constantly like set goals for themselves mm, i get that so tell me this what makes your book something that would draw the average reader in tell me something that is just has to pull the reader in what can what about your books does that oh this question always kills me <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> it's like you ever see that meme where it's like writes a whole entire novel somebody asks them to sum it up into one sentence and they're like what are words well well, let me let me give you an instance. Like, <clears throat> I had one character, and and this is gonna. Uh, I had a book series. I'm gonna go totally off subject. You ready? Okay. <laughs> I had a book series that I wrote. Oh my goodness, it's what? It's, I can't even believe it's seven to ten years now. Is it? Oh wow. 10 years. I know, right? Well, I wrote a book, a continuation, and it sat for. 
is it seven years? I think. Is Laura, is it seven years? Anyways, I'm just now getting to the point where I went back and finished it. And oh, I wow. could be wrong. I could be overestimating. Yeah, she thinks so. Okay. <laughs> um, it, it sat for seven years. Right. And, but, and, and in this book, I actually killed this person. So this is kind of like the wrong thing. But <laughs> at the point in the original series, um, what did it for me was the fact, and some of my readers hated me. I had a five paragraph review. I mean, even though they wanted the next book, they just ripped me to shreds. Okay. But it was a five, five paragraphs. Okay. Oh, but boy. they wanted more of it. The one thing for me that, and I don't know if this was like in the right tone because I'm asking something a little bit more of yours, but, right. <laughs> but for me, when I was writing, and again, I'm like, this is on the other side of this might be the reasons people would hate my books. But when I was writing this book, I wanted, people always think romance and this bring this character and this bring that character. But right. for me, in my, in this particular series, the moon chose the moon chose. It didn't always choose correctly, you know? Right. And some of the characters were tortured souls, which okay. I loved because, and the reason I did was because I always felt that when I was writing, it wasn't just the fantasy. I mean, I love it. I love the fantasy, but I also wanted the characters to have some relatability to the common ground of today. Does that make sense? That does. That does. Reminds me of like a little bit of like Sherilyn Kenyon's Dark Hunter series. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't read that one, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they're all tortured souls and yeah, okay. kind of grounded. Yes. Yeah. Right. So in that aspect, that if now you're into tortured souls, then yeah, mine would be like, yeah, that's for me. Right. So when you, when you look at your work, what individualizes you? that would really draw your readers in what individualizes you as your writer into the characters if that makes sense okay so i think what individualizes me is i know that there's such a hype around like romanticy and like fantasy romance and i uh -huh. think my book is so rooted in friendship and found family and even family like normally you know you got this princess whose parents are killed and now she's off on her own but that's not the case here like she's got some real rescuing to do and she's got some growing up to do and i think she's very relatable to your common teenager where it's kind of like these these are my friends these are my people i have to find myself is this what i want or is that what i want you know, uh -huh. and I, I think that relatability and the fact that she's still coming into herself and she's finding all of these like good friends, these strong friendships and these new people who are going to be there for her no matter what. And I think that's what like sets them apart. So I think if readers are looking for something they can relate to, something wholesome without like the fluff of romance and really just a character uh -huh. that wants to find their way in the world and believes in themselves. I think that's what's going to set this apart. Nice. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. So now I have had a little bit of bird in my ear saying that you might have a giveaway. Am I yes. correct? Yes, I do. So for anyone who like comes back and re-listens and you know, just comments like a little hello or like a little heart, any, any little comment, you can be in the running for a signed paperback copy. Mm, now, <clears throat> how far does this extend? Is it just extend on this podcast or 
Does the commentary go out as far as social media? Because we can take snippets here and we can post them out. You know what? Let's go big or go home. Let's uh, do the snippet and take it out <laughs> to social right. media. And we'll All see right. how many entries we get. And it, it will be open international. I have no problem sending across the borders. Nice. Okay. Then we'll make sure we tag you in those. Yes. And then I'll be sure to share on my pages as well. Awesome. So as we reach the end here, we're a little bit over, but that's fine. Um, what's next? Tell me what's coming. Oh, the wrath of Zora is coming. And boy, oh boy, is she on the warpath. And she is ready mm. to get to Eophrila. She's ready to get to the Potshu King and get her prisoners back. Find out why he's been stealing the healers and what his deal is with her. Because nice. she's come back to her castle. She's found a mess and she is not happy. <laughs> nice. Now, when is the release date? Are we, do we have a date in mind yet? We are aiming for Christmas this year. If it comes sooner, ah. I will be super duper happy, but I don't want to push the envelope. I want this to be perfect. I've heard my readers. I listen to them. They they want growth. They want more substance between Torin and Zora and want to make sure that it's all there before I give like a definitive date on this. Awesome. And congratulations. I heard that you reached 50 reviews. Am I correct? Yes, I finally reached 50 reviews on Goodreads, and I'm just super excited. Like, all the reviews have nice. been thoughtful and helpful. Oh, awesome. That's great. I love it when those come. <laughs> it's better than a five-paragraph dig and then asking me where the next book is. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so, so much, Laura. <laughs> awesome. Well, we've reached that point in our episode, and I know a lot of you guys love these. I get a lot of commentary on it. And something I chose today for our Amazon deal of the day is something that I actually have in my she shed. I'm going to tell you guys, it is the Yeedy by Ecovax. It's a vac station, robot, vacuum, and mop, self-emptying, three-in-one cleaner, 200-minute runtime, 300, well, 3,000, excuse me, 3,000 PA suction, smart mapping, carpet detection, Alexa compatible. <clears throat> I love this. <laughs> Wi-Fi connect. It's 40% off, guys. And I want to say, it's 40% off of 40, I mean, sorry, not 40, $499.99 down to $299.98. I love mine, guys. I, I would not even put it on here if I didn't have one. And I'm telling you, oh my gosh. I tell my husband, I'm cleaning today. Yeah, what'd you do? Just touch your app to get your vacuum going. <laughs> and I'm telling you guys, it counts. It counts, dang it. It counts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Samantha, for being on the program. You were a delight. We'd love to have you back. Check in with Christmas because maybe we can uh, <clears throat> check in and see where the next book is. <laughs> oh, I would love to. I've had a blast on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Ari. You're you're welcome. I want to thank our listeners. Until next time, guys. Bye-bye for now.